We sit as we listen to our readings from Holy Scripture. The first reading, Wisdom of Solomon, a reading from the Book of Wisdom. God did not make death, and he does not delight in the death of the living. For he created all things so that they might exist, and generative forces of the world are wholesome, and there is no destructive poison to them, and the dominion of Hades is not on earth. For righteousness is immortal, for God created us for incorruption and made us in the image of his own eternity. But through the devil's envy, death entered the world, and those who belong in his company experience it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Canticle, Lamentations. The response is, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord, the Lord is, is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. It is good for one to bear the yoke of in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it, to put one's mouth to the dust, there may yet be hope, to give one's cheek to the, sm to the smite tar, and be filled with insult. The, the Lord, Lord is, is good, good to those who wait for him. him. For the Lord will not reject forever, although he causes grief. He will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. A reading from this a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. You excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you. So we want you to excel also in the generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing my generousness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you must become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. This is appropriate for you who began last year not to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it so that your, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it accordingly to your means. For the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. 
I do not mean that there should be relief of others and pressure on you, but it, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for you for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance, as it was written, there. The one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little not have too little. This is the word of Lord. And the Susan, may the Lord be in your lips and in your heart as you proclaim the gospel in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the lake. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, <clears throat> and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years, she had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. <clears throat> Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, 
which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. May I speak in the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please do be seated. In today's gospel, we hear two stories of healing. There are also stories of hope, a bold, persistent, expectant hope, and of freedom. In his account, Mark reveals to us a unique feature of his gospel, his love for sandwiching one story within another, Mark blends these stories with the intention that each story will heighten the meaning of the other. The story of the woman with the profound physical problem is clearly the inner story, and the healing of Jairus' daughter is the outer story that enfolds the entire event. At the heart of our gospel today, the inner story, we discover a truly tragic figure, a woman with a flow of blood that she has endured for 12 years, a condition that weakened her, rendered her ritually impure, a condition that would have prevented her participation in the community. Her chronic condition, no doubt, left her incapable of bearing a child, an inadequacy that would provide grounds for divorce. This unfortunate woman would have been considered an untouchable in Jesus' day, not unlike a leper. But first, we have Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, who comes to Jesus, groveling at his feet. Jesus is a, Jairus is a man of great privilege, respected, well-off, a religious leader in the area. But his privilege does not exempt him from pain or from fear. Despite all his privileges, he is unable to help his 12-year-old daughter. In the end, he's just like every other parent who has begged God to help their child. The crowds that are pressed in around Jesus make way for Jairus to pass through. My little daughter is at her end. Help, save her. Jairus is the only religious leader in the Gospels that seems to really see and accept who Jesus is. He bows before him. He asks for salvation. He has faith. Without a word of response, Jesus goes with Jairus. There's not a moment to lose, but the crowd surrounds them, making it difficult to move quickly. They don't have time for this. And then... Jesus stops in his tracks. Who touched me? A strange question to ask as he fights his way through a crowd. He's being touched at every moment, pressed in upon, according to Mark. Come on, Jesus, we're in a hurry here. But this was no ordinary touch. Something happened with this touch. Power went out from Jesus without him intending it to happen. 
and Jesus refuses to go on. He seeks out the one whose need causes her to reach out to him. Jesus seeks out the one whose need causes her to reach out to him. And there she is. The woman comes forward, falls at Jesus' feet and tells him the whole truth. She's been sick for 12 years with a constant flow of blood. She's seen all the doctors, had all the treatments, probably quite bizarre ones too, weird and wonderful things, to no avail. This woman has suffered, and on top of her physical suffering, this particular ailment has ostracized her from her community. According to the purity codes of the Jewish law, she was unclean and sent into isolation, perpetually unclean. And touching a woman in her condition was totally taboo. Her very presence in our story is unlawful, and this is what her culture and religion has taught her. She's illegal. The woman is bold. She's disobedient. She's at her wit's end. So she risks everything, including perhaps the comfort and status of those around her, for one last chance. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be saved. She touches his garment. She feels in her body her healing. And everything stops. Can you imagine how Jairus feels? Let's go, Jesus. We're wasting time here. Focus on me. I did things right. Focus on my little innocent daughter. But Jesus stops. He finds the bold woman and he connects with her. He calls her daughter. He speaks words of peace and healing. And just as she experiences healing and restoration, Jairus gets the devastating news that his daughter has died. Jesus doesn't stop for pastoral words, but barges into the house, past the mourners, and takes the dead girl's hand. Little girl gets up, and she rises. Not even death is strong enough to stop Jesus' saving power. Jairus and the bold woman in our story today could not be more different. Nevertheless, they are connected. Their stories depend on each other. The woman has been suffering for 12 years, the entire length of the time of Jairus's 12-year-old daughter's life. Both in very different ways express incredible faith. Both fall at Jesus' feet. Both experience God's salvation, God's healing through Jesus. The woman and the little girl were both unclean because of what the woman was suffering from or because of death. And in both cases, Jesus blows past the religious rules, breaking the law to help them. Jesus calls them both daughter. Their healing, their salvation is not in competition. It is not at odds. It is inextricably connected. And so is ours. I wonder how this story would be retold today. Perhaps instead of a, a synagogue leader, Mark would write about a refugee father begging God to save his little daughter's life from exploitation. Perhaps instead of a suffering woman, Jesus would be interrupted by a woman with a terminal illness who is lost in a system of inadequate health resources. Their stories are connected. 
anxiously clinging to Jesus and rightly demanding his full attention. Mark might interrupt her story with the story of an addict pushing his way through crowds that do not want him there, forcing his way through for just a slight touch to be healed. Their stories are connected. Our stories are connected. As different as we are, as different as the ways we come to Jesus are, whether with dignity or without, with privilege or without, we all come to Jesus in our desperation. We all fall at his feet. We find God's salvation in him. And Jesus looks into the face of each one of us and everyone who is so different from us and calls us all daughter, son, beloved child. Lilla Watson, an indigenous Australian elder, writes, if you have come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation, your freedom is bound up with mine, then let us work together. The stories in Mark's gospel need each other and our stories need each other. So may we look around at all God's children, all the world's desperation, all the orthodox and unorthodox ways people are reaching out for help and recognise that our stories are tied together. And may we, like Jesus, speak words of peace and healing. May we, like Jesus, reach out to lift each other up, to rekindle hope, to bring back joy, particularly within those whose society so often shortchanges and overlooks. And let us be instruments of healing and of peace, hope and of freedom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.